Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Thank you very much. Um, so again, being being back, uh, again, pleasure to be before you, and again, honoring Pastor Mark and Pastor Tasha, and also my wife. Um, so, okay, so we, we talked about some basic principles of the tripart human or man, that we are a spirit, we have a soul, mind, will, and emotion, and we live in a physical body. So, and walk through some of that. So now we'll get into some real specifics. Uh, first slide, please. Regarding uh, something that's important. And we know about masks, we know about mass psychosis, and I'm just going to cut right to the chase in terms of um, issues that we've been facing over the last year and a half. And those issues are uh, at least talking points where we can still exemplify God and his presence and use some, some current examples to show and apply his principles to today's issues. And so C.S. Lewis note, talked about comfort. And as you can see here, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and the, in the end, despair. So that's really important because the enemy would try to play on your focus of comfort. Now, comfort in Jesus Christ, comfort in the word is completely fine, right? Because he never changes. And so since God never changes, you'll never be disappointed. But if you choose to have comfort in a person, or a certain food, or a certain authority, governmental or otherwise, or he or she says, this applies to me, so it must be okay, it applies to them, applies to me, it must be okay, and you find comfort in those things, those are moving targets, and you're setting yourself up for failure, right? You'll be double-minded, and so, and this speaks exactly to that. And so what we found is, is that with mass uh, formation, actually, um, that as you all may know, just in a nutshell, it's what's happened to the entire world, but especially the United States, and it was planned, okay? It's been around for a long time prior to these two years, but what it means is, is that if you want to control a population, you have to introduce instability in that population, okay? You have to break certain bonds, and if you can break those bonds in people, then you can manipulate them in how they find comfort in a different thing. So we have comfort in Christ, we have our relationships with our families, and of course our church. And that's why having the opportunity to come here three times on a Sunday and then during the week is an honor. It's a total honor because why? Because when you come here, you actually find truth. And truth, real truth, is very comforting. I mean, it's real. It's not fake, relatively speaking. It's like real, like you can bank on it. So coming here is a big, big deal. And I think we give more sometimes um, priority to a really good movie 
that we want to go and see, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, we're stoked. We're going to see this movie. It's coming out. I've been waiting three months. And then we come to church, and it's like, oh, I, I got to show up. I'm going to come late, and I'm going to just kind of slip in, and I'm going to miss praise and worship because whatever, whatever, and I'm just going to say that I, I, I came here. And that's like, wow, you're missing the whole point. Like, you actually have the privilege and honor to worship together and to find truth, right? And that's really cool. So please, your perspective on the Word of God is, should be really totally different, right? So with this, what happens in mass formation, what it is is, there are a couple of steps. First of all, what we do is if, we, if I want to hypnotize you as a, as a uh, population, I have to create fear. When I create fear, so frontal lobe, hypothalamus, we talked about what happens with perceptions. You create fear by saying, okay, something's going to happen. You can't see it. You're going to die from it, and everyone around you is going to die unless you follow these specific steps. Now, remember, when this is discussed, nobody's talking about what God thinks. What, what does the Holy Spirit say about infection and disease? Well, it's in the Word. He's got an answer for everything. But what do we do? Well, now here it comes. When we come to church, what do we go to? We go to the Word first, open up the Word. Okay, Lord, what do you say about this? Right? We're finding truth versus being caught off guard, and now we end up somewhere else, and we get swept away with um, a third of the population. And so that's the first part. It's introducing fear into people and then that breaks up the original bonds that you have. And then, then from there, we go on to free-floating anxiety. And so what do we do? We put you in a mask that, by the way, doesn't help at all, literally, literally. And, and here's the thing, and the reason why, and it's because, and you all probably heard some of this already, that the virus, for instance, is only, it's less than three microns in, in diameter. So how small or big is that? So a human hair, one human hair could probably get through the masks that we tried to wear, okay? Well, a virus like this, the coronavirus, is a hundred times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. One hundred times. So do you think if a human hair can get through the mask, that a virus could? Probably right through it right? Um, and so the, even the concept of wearing a mask is ridiculous and was something that was completely contrived. If you look at the 1957 and, and 1970s, there has been rules, specific rules about what happens in a pandemic by OSHA. And there are five levels of control that I'm going to show you in just a second so that you really understand how erroneous the masks were. So to introduce the masks goes against what many people in authority in infectious disease knew for decades, decades. And now it's like, we're just going to hand these masks out. Well, that's how you get people fearful because now you put this over people's faces, you don't see their smiles, and there's this alertness or awareness that something's wrong. No one's smiling. Oh my goodness, are you sick? Are you angry at me, right? And then free-floating anxiety is that you, you change the mark of what's, what's, what could affect you. So, for instance, 
if a person had anxiety, and I don't really like that word at all, because there was a lion in the room, that's identifiable anxiety, right? Free floating is when you don't even know why you're anxious, right? So all the scripture that the pastors taught you really apply during this time, right? So free floating anxiety. And then from there, anger comes up, and now you're just looking for a solution. Again, we have the privilege of being here, finding the solution the whole time, but for those who don't take it seriously, we show up and we don't really listen, we get carried away by the next step. And that is, you get to a point where you want this answer, and the news tells you, take this shot, and again, I'm not putting anybody down, that's not my intent, people have their own choices. But in this case, what happened was, take this shot, it's the answer. So now the free-floating anxiety is directed to this magic bullet or this shot. So now what happens is everyone will then say, hey, you guys are all in the same camp because we all took the shot. And you over there, even though you're family, you're, you're in the church, you're in Christ, you're separate from us. So now we're here. We're all shot takers. And you're the anti-vaxxers. You're bad people. That's exactly what happened to us. That's, that's mass formation, right? And that's how you control a population. So 30%, roughly 35% of the United States has been hypnotized by this. And those, and again, I'm not assassinating their character, but what I'm saying is that 35% at this juncture, if you don't do what they're doing, they will say that you don't deserve to breathe because you chose not to do this. It's completely irrational. There are 25% of people in the United States who cannot be hypnotized, right? And that's all of you who've been feeding on the word, right? Because your perception is, you know, truth. You filter your, your, uh, your decision-making process through the word of God that your pastors taught you. Then there's about 40% of the population that can go either way. So what can we do when we show the love of Christ to all the people that are in our spheres of influence. We can use our authority and our truth that we know and be a light in how we do what we do and the decisions that we make. All right, next slide, please. So the, the tripart man, and we talked about the laughter and having that joy of the Lord because you know the truth, right? Super important, next slide. Um, mentioned about some of the brain structures already. What I didn't do before was I didn't tell you about some of the parts. And so the frontal lobe I mentioned about the planning, amygdala, that's uh, your limbic emotions. So it revs your emotions up, either good or bad. And then the circuit of papes I mentioned for memory processing, the hypothalamus, the master relay system, and then dopamine is one of many neurotransmitters that are feel-good transmitters. So you'll create dopamine or excrete dopamine in certain parts of your brain when there's something that you're doing that's really great. Like when you come to church and you're worshiping God, you, you tell yourself when this dopamine is excreted, hey, this is awesome, I want to do it again. Next slide. Okay, so your spiritual health and faith-filled words. Um, we know about the fight-or-flight response and, uh, and the scripture that backs that up in Proverbs. And so again, with mass formation, um, some of this kind of goes in, in parallel, and so you have this stress. 
And so one of the things I really want to emphasize as you use your authority is I'm not saying that you're mean to anyone, but what I am saying is that you really believe what you say in terms of what's in the Word of God and, and how you live it. And so that means sometimes you may be challenged. So for me, I was challenged, and I got suspended from one of the two hospitals that I work at for helping someone who had COVID. And even and during the, this, uh, this hearing, even the, um, the witnesses that were uh, within the hospital, that the hospital called to be witnesses for them, both said I didn't do anything wrong. And yet, because of the fact that we had discussions, and I'm over in this camp, the attorney was able to get all the surgeons and the physicians over in this camp to believe something, even though the truth showed that I was on the right side, and they still tried to hold their position. So when, is that, when that happens, what do you do? Like anything else, you stand on the Word of God, right? So what does that mean, though? Because, again, that's theoretical. I believe in God. And so what, is that, what comes down to it in your actions, right? Faith without works is dead. So that means now if I have to decide what I'm going to do with my job, what I'm going to do is say, Lord, what did you say? Holy Spirit, what do you say? And if it means I need to leave my job for whatever, for whatever reason, I'm out. Well, I may not get paid. Okay, wait a minute. At this great church, didn't we learn that God's our provider? Okay, so if God's our provider, we ask the Holy Spirit, where should we go? What should we do? We listen, and he'll have an answer for us, and then we move on it. You know, one of the things in, in terms of faith is we hear the word, faith comes by hearing, we receive it, we relieve it, we speak it. The hardest part is acting on it. So this is one way that we can show our faith when the Holy Spirit directs us individually, when we know it's his voice, that we act on it. And so sometimes it, there could be a whole host of decisions that we can make, and other people will look and go, wow, you can do that? <laughs> yeah, we can do that. My wife and I were, they told us we had to wear the masks in the hospital, and we didn't because we understood the science behind it, and there was no science. And we walk in the hospital, everyone had these masks on, which is really crazy, but, um, and, and we went up to a nurse, and the nurse had her mask on, and we didn't have masks, and we were talking to her about the patients, and other patients had masks on in the rooms. And, and, she, and she, as she was talking to us, you could see that she kind of pulled her mask down and then she further and then she took it off, right? So, um, so that's kind of displaying your faith, right? Next slide. So I mentioned also last time that stress can affect your immune system and it can create inflammation, and I gave you an example of that. And so living your faith will affect your physical body in the appropriate way and be protective during times, high times of stress, because for you, your perception of the facts are filtered through the word of God because you actually believe it, which means you actually listen to the pastors and you actually spent time with the Holy Spirit and God and it's real to you. It's a decision that you make, you know, that God is real. And if he's really Lord of your life, not just Savior, but Lord of your life, then what's in the word of God is what you're going to follow, Right? And then also, all of us, when he talks about how amazing you are, you'll believe it. So now, you're, you're going to question things and say, well, is this, is this like, what, what would God do? What would Jesus do in this situation? And then you do that, right? Next slide. 
Okay, here we go. So lessons learned from recent times. So one was the mass, mass formation that we've described. And, um, and we know that there have been um, different scenarios in the past um, that have our examples of what we're literally going through. So here in America, we are extremely blessed to have things, um, but in other places, they don't have the comforts that we have. And unfortunately, some people won't really experience what that means until it's taken away from them and their family's taken away from them and it's too late, right? And one of the ways that I can tell is, you know, like, you know, when you're speaking about something super exciting like the Lord, anything about God is super exciting um, because it brings truth. And you have some people that are kind of rolling their eyes, like, can you get on with it? And, and, and you're realizing, like, wow, you pray for that person because they don't realize that they are, they're used to having things on their command and they will not really realize the value of the Lord until they don't have those things, but then it'll be too late. It'll be too late, right? And so, so that's, you know. So with the, the Nuremberg Code, um, in, in the trials in 1945, um, after the World War, this talks about what are the rules of experimentation and populations because the Jewish people, and it started just like what happened here in America, the, the uh, uh, Hitler and others made the society uh, think that the Jewish people were contagion-carrying. So it was not just the fact that they were Jewish, it was the fact that they played on fear, mass psychosis, to, to start uh, to, to show that, hey, these people are really odd, they do this thing, and if they keep doing this thing, it's going to affect you. That's literally what happened. It was the exact same strategy. And what happened? Some people bought into it and, and, and killed uh, millions of women and children and men were killed just because. What happens here in America? Women and children and men were killed just because. So when you look at the statistics for the number of people that died from COVID, quote unquote, 85% of those people should not have died in hospitals, okay? Because we have early treatment, and my question is, and please forgive me if, if I'm a little bit rattled here, but I don't understand why primary care physicians didn't learn of how to take care of people before they got to the hospital. In the past, if someone has a cold, what do you do? You, you treat him. You don't say, take Advil and Motrin, and when you can't breathe, go to the emergency room, right? But that's exactly what happened to all of you. That's literally what happened. That's never happened before. Unless, of course, your doc was compassionate enough to take the time to say, I, I swore an oath to you as a physician, and I'm going to uphold that oath, right? So, so the Nuremberg Code talks about that. There were some experiments, a Tuskegee experiment, um, a syphilis experiment um, at, back in the early 1900s in which men had syphilis and they had a treatment and they didn't tell 
these men that there was a treatment. They just let them think there wasn't a treatment. And they wanted to observe how bad things got in them, like guinea pigs. Hmm, doesn't that sound familiar? Hmm. In COVID, you get your booster, your third, fourth booster, and they don't tell anybody that even with the vaccine, that it never, ever, ever was intended to stop the spread of COVID, ever. If you look at the original Pfizer papers, it said it may decrease the symptoms. It never, ever, ever said it will stop the spread of COVID or you catching or supposedly giving COVID, ever. But the media, in particular, pushed that narrative. That's a problem, right? So it's a bold-faced lie. But again, all of you know to read the labels when you, when you buy food at the store, you know that when you pick up a medication or antibiotic, you read the directions to say, hey, is this something that I'm, I, I'm gonna choose? Or do you? Has anyone who had a vaccine, and please don't raise your hand, but anyone who had a vaccine actually saw what was in it? There was someone that I know who was a former drug rep, pharmacy rep. She went to a pharmacist um, and said, hey, could I have the insert of one of the Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine? I'm just curious, could I have it? So they gave her this folded piece of paper. It was this small, it was folded like 100 times. She opened it up, and guess what it said on it? This space left blank on purpose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the official directions or uh, contents of what was, in the, uh, what was in the components for the vaccine. So, wow. Okay, so let me get this straight. God says... Come to him, be wise, and, you know, come to him first, right? Acknowledge him in all your ways, Proverbs 3, 5, and he'll direct your path, right? And yet, did we do that? Right? Because God loves you. I mean, he's not going to have you take something that could hurt your, your temple, for sure. But if we don't, if he's Lord, then that means we're going to check with him first, because he's Lord of our lives right? And so super important. But that's literally, no one, no one has been told what's been in the vaccine. I mean, in terms of those who've gotten the injection. But yet, on television, every time there's some new medication, they, they'll read really fast through the possible complications on TV. But why didn't they do that with the vaccine? Right? So this is what I'm asking my medical colleagues who are pushing this. Um, this informed consent is when, as a surgeon, I have to, when I talk to you about surgery, if I'm going to do brain surgery on you, and we're going to talk, you come to my office, and you have a brain tumor, I'll sit down with you and the family, eye to eye, and we'll say, I'll show you pictures, this is what you have, this is what the MRI shows, this is what the surgery, you know, what I have to do, it's going to take about this long. Here are the possible risks and possible complications. One of those risks could be death. Yes, you could die on the table, but is it worth the risk, the benefit worth the risk to have the surgery? And of course it is. Um, and then you make an informed decision, you have an informed consent, and then you proceed with surgery. There was no informed consent 
with these vaccines. There's no informed consent. You know, either you lose your job if you don't get this, you know, or your child can't go to school or what have you, right? And that's what we had. So again, why didn't more physicians step up? Every physician in the country should have been outraged because informed consent is something we all do. That's part of our fiber every time we deal with a patient. Didn't happen. Part of that is probably mass psychosis or mass formation. You know, our perceptions are that the CDC and others that we hold in such high esteem said, this is what you're going to do, it's the right thing. So we didn't scrutinize it, you know. And so as a result, there were a whole lot of people that died. I can tell you, I talked to a nurse in the ICU, and the nurse said she had post-traumatic stress disorder because of all the bodies that were stacking up in the ICU from, from quote-unquote COVID. But here's the thing. Even when COVID was at its worst, it's a, it can, it's a respiratory, mostly, complications. But after about four to five days, the viral side is done, and now it's all inflammatory. It's your immune system creating cytokines or inflammation that causes basically like a really bad allergic reaction. And that causes shunting of the blood and oxygen not to get into your lungs and then back into your blood. So one of the big treatments is anti-inflammatories, is steroids. So in my situation, when they slap my hand, it's because I gave a huge dose of steroid because I understood the pathology for this person. And, uh, and then I gave them five articles from other countries that showed in COVID patients at this stage that it worked in all these scenarios. And they kind of threw that out. And they were giving a, such a small amount of steroid, it was just like a drop in the bucket. So basically, so you could say, well, I gave steroid, but not enough to do anything to actually help the person. So most of these people were suffocating alone without family because they said it's going to be three weeks and you can't see the patient. Do you realize even if the argument was because infection spreads that a person's not infective unless they're super symptomatic and within a short amount of time? So that was a lie. The, the three weeks was because if I can keep family away for three weeks, then we can do whatever we want to the people that are in there. By the way, we talked about um, your perspective and joy. What does that do? That helps your immune system, your natural killer cells. So what happens when you're lonely? The opposite, right? You tank. So that's, I'm sure a lot of people would have done better if family was around and supporting, and I know family was supporting them, but couldn't be with them. Case in point, my mother. She died of COVID in a Texas hospital. And, um, and so it's kind of a long story. And of course, we were advocates, but they would not let us in the hospital for quite some time. We didn't know that she was given remdesivir. And long story short, I had a discussion with the infectious disease doctor. And I said, hey, you've done everything you can do. She's still going downhill. Why don't you try... Um, ivermectin and, and, and these medications and the steroids, we know that'll work. He says, well, I don't believe in that. And I said, well, I don't, okay. I said, but there are 40 randomized controlled trials that show it works, even in late stages. 
And he says, no, nope, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing that. And I said, so you and I are probably about the same age. And I said, if it was your mom, wouldn't you at least try? And he said, she's not going to die. And then I said to him, I said, okay, if I'm wrong and she dies because of my actions, that's on me. I'm a physician. But if you die, I mean, if she dies because of what you're not doing, it's on you. Okay? And then he said, okay, well, then sue me. Now, here's the thing. People may have different opinions about the, the shot or not and all that's, you know, fine. But when you have an attitude that is full of pride, when other people's lives are on the line, that is not acceptable. I don't care what argument you make for or against the vaccine. And that's what we were seeing over and over again during this, this time period. So I hope that people really got a taste of who was for you and who wasn't, regardless of their title. Because doctors are not infallible. Okay? Um, Peter McCullough, that all of you probably heard about, we've spoken together, and I'm one of the frontline docs with him, and uh, he told me fairly recently that 100% of all the doctors that are risking their life and their licenses to take care of people are either Jewish or Christian. Right? Amen. So what does that mean, right? They're, so they're following their faith. They're following their faith in the word, like our pastors teach us, right? So, um, so anyway, uh, next slide. So this, this person, Vera Chavez, was actually a survivor in Auschwitz. Winston Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. So here we go. So for those of you who are taking this seriously, it's really important more than any time that we come together. And as Pastor Mark and I were talking about, like the word says in the last days, it's going to be so important that we really come together and support each other and really have our hearts open to the word. Because COVID-19, now there's, you know, monkeypox. So there's going to be more. And are you ready? So is your heart ready? Do you have an attitude to learn so that you can be prepared emotionally and also physically? We talked about what happens to your natural killer cells when your faith is high, when your joy of the Lord is high, and when you're not double-minded, you're not unstable. What happens? You can withstand both an emotional insult, um, solical in your perceptions, and then physical insult. So this is another slide that has to do with your, um, the masking. And so uh, there were, I got written up in a, uh, a paper because uh, four different uh, people complained because I was writing mask waivers for the kids in Michigan, and they wanted to kind of give me a hard time, Kara and I. So we wrote about three or 4,000 of them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so what happened was they just said, you know, well, my child had a headache and so wearing a mask. So immediately I dove into the literature and as a neurosurgeon, understanding what happens to the brain 
when there's increased carbon dioxide exposed, and it actually destroys brain tissue. It affects metabolism. It affects learning. Um, there were, this is one of the studies that looked at um, what happens to the brain when there's increased carbon dioxide. And this was in the rat model. And it just, they uh, noted that when you're exposed to high uh, levels of carbon dioxide, it can create an anesthetic effect. And then when you take off the mask or you decrease the carbon dioxide, these rats actually went into seizure. Next slide. So this is another study that talked about, again, in the rat model uh, with carbon dioxide exposure, and it affected their brain development and fine motor skills, speech skills, and we saw that in the, young, in the kids, that their speech was affected as well. Here's the thing. This is such an abuse. I can't tell you with masking everybody, but especially our kids. That is, is just child abuse, okay? Because even at work, even when you do need a mask, I wear a mask um, for my 20 years and 10,000 surgeries in my 20-year experience. I always wear a mask in the operating room. Don't wear it anywhere else. But to put a child in a mask for eight hours, I mean, even the OSHA standards say that when you're in a mask, that there should be mask breaks, so less than two hours. So our, ki you know, our kids are being abused in the masks. Um, next slide. This was a slide in the human model looking at um, a whole bunch of different parameters and how um, uh, increased levels of carbon dioxide affect the brain. And it confirmed over and over again the metabolism, the vasculature, you know, the way the brain function was affected by increased carbon dioxide. So for us, writing the mask waivers, it was really easy. Mom or dad would say, hey, my son or daughter has a headache. We say, they're wearing a mask, right? Okay, take off the mask is the answer. Right? I mean, it was a real, and so we prescribed, you know, take the mask off, and guess what? The headaches went away. But then we, had, we fought, basically, the um, educational department, because it turns out that, in Michigan anyway, um, the, um, the school, uh, the superintendent, and the schools were getting funding for PPE. That's why they fought to keep the masks on the kids. They could care less about your kids. Oh, it's gonna decrease the, the, you know, cut, you know, the curve. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with money, right? Next slide. So the relevance of this is the chance of Earth being hit by an asteroid, 0.046%. The chance of dying from COVID is 0.026%. So why don't you just drop the mask and buy a helmet, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> next slide. Yeah, next slide. Okay. And so, and I'm gonna I'm gonna motor through this a little bit because um, so basically personal PPE, what is it? You'll you all will notice that the terminology changed from the beginning, right? Initially they called it PPE, right? But the masks aren't Aren't, uh, aren't PPE. They had to change it to facial coverings, then they had to change it to um, well, masks, and then respirators. So a true respirator is this Darth Vader thing that you'd wear, and the, that mask, that type of apparatus, can protect you from a virus, right? But no one was wearing those. So one of the OSHA inspectors who knew all this, he goes to get on an airplane, in the middle of all of this, 
he's got the big, the big respirator on, right? I mean, the, the big, you know, Darth Vader with the, and, and, and the people say, you can't get on the plane with that. He says, okay, let me get this straight. You want us, and you, they say to be safe, and, uh, and you don't want me to have this on, because if I have this on, I'm protected and you're protected, so everybody's good, right? No, you can't get on the plane. Here's our paper mask that you have to wear. Right? So, and this was an expert. He's a world expert in these, in these airflow dynamics. So again, please, for all those who aren't awake, please wake up. Because the, the purpose of wearing the mask had nothing to do with health. Nothing to do with health at all. And here's another illustration. So, next slide. So I mentioned about aerosolized versus droplets last time. So in a nutshell, people think, you know, you wear a mask, and so if somebody, if, if they spit so many, the six-foot rule, which, by the way, doesn't, that, they made that up too. Um, but the virus is not actually held in saliva. It's too small. So what it does is it actually floats up into the, into the air. And so the only time when you catch COVID, you're more likely to catch it not from an individual, but if, if the, uh, the virus, if a person's sick and they're coughing, it goes into the air, and if they don't have a good HVAC system, like this is a great HVAC, you can feel the airflow, right? And so, and, and it gets carried away, you know? And so it's only when there's no airflow that there's a problem when you're in an enclosed room. Oh, so if I isolate everybody, right. Now you're going to probably catch it more likely if, you're, if you're, uh, your house isn't aerated and your windows aren't open, right? So that's the other complete fallacy. Uh, next slide. I saw this when my wife and I were uh, at an airport. I probably should have maybe blacked out the university, but... <laughs> Knowledge with purpose changes the world. All right, I don't even know what he's trying to say because neither one of those apparati on his face are helpful at all as it relates to what I, I think he was trying to, to, to convey. Literally, a virus gets through all of that and, you know, and it's, it's not helpful, okay, at all, at all. Next slide. But it's scary, though. Okay, this is super important. This is what I was talking about before. So what you'll see is this is the hierarchy of safety controls, okay? All occupational hygienists, those are the OSHA experts that studied airflow dynamics and study safety of all kinds in, um, in industry, know this. They're experts in this. Some of, and, and these have been out since the 1957, 1970s. So what I'm saying is, what you're seeing here is what they're supposed to follow when there is uh, a virus or bacteria introduced into a certain area. So they know this, okay? And the first of which, um, the, most, the, the thing that's most effective is, as you can see, is when you have a good HVAC system and then filtration and then elimination and changing of um, of your environment in some way, or removing the individuals uh, from the environment, and then PPE is the least effective. And PPE is not a paper mask. 
but they led you to believe it was. Okay, so you mean to tell me that for decades they knew this? Yes, yes, they knew this. This is no surprise. So this was on purpose that, that you got a mask and, and you got scared out of your wits and said, you better wear it and stay away. You're six feet from everybody else. They knew that all that was, you know, had no science behind it at all, but yet it was still done. So in hospital, back to the hospital story. So we're in the hospital rounding. They have HEPA filters and HVAC systems in all hospitals. And they have you wear a mask. Why? The first two is what they're doing in every hospital across the country. Why would they have the physicians wear a mask? It's got to be fear. It's got to be fear. There's no other reason. It's got to be fear and control. Because it's not, it, a mask doesn't help at all. Even if that was flipped, a mask still wouldn't be PPE. So it's really sinister. It's super sinister in terms of what happened. It's not subtle. Okay? There's a neurosurgeon, Dr. Blaylock, Russell Blaylock. Uh, he trained at the University of uh, Mississippi as someone that you might want might to look up. He had a great article in April uh, in surgical neurology, and he basically went right through uh, kind of the scientific points of what's happened over the last two years, and he is spot on. So if you want a, a succinct summary of what happened, he, can, he kind of gives it to you in a short amount, uh, a short, short space. So that's a super important slide, you know, and so all the patients in the hospital, none of them in their rooms are wearing slot, uh, masks. And their, their head's elevated, so you'd say they're about four foot. And so I'm six foot four. And so what I would do is instead of wearing a mask, you know, if someone comes by, what I can do then is to meet the criteria is I just have to shrink down. Because now I'm at the same height they are. <laughs> right? How much sense does that make? How many of you laughed when you went into a restaurant and they said, you have to wear your mask when you come in, but you can take it off when you sit. Do you realize how illogical that is? It's called critical thinking. Where has it gone? When we have the mind of Christ, what happens? We, we develop critical thinking, right? But when we don't, we do stupid stuff, you know? There was, there was a, another study looking at populations and how they can conform to things. And what they did is some years ago, they were in an airport, they had a brick wall, they put a big sign up on the wall, and then they paid a couple of actors to stand in line in front of this brick wall. And the line got longer and longer and longer because people just follow. They just did it. Just, just. Like, <laughs> so I, you know, when you renew your mind in the word, you, you know, you develop insight and truth and critical thinking. You know? Next slide. And I, I'm not, for, for sake of time, I won't go through uh, too much of, the, uh, of this, but just with OSHA, OSHA is the agency that I mentioned earlier um, in terms of the ones who knew the science about how to regulate, make it safe in the workplace. They have no authority to implement any of these in the public health policies. The CDC, as you all know, right, so they make recommendations and observations but they also have no authority to implement any of these. I mean, this is in law, all right? The FDA, they look at safety in terms of uh, regulating drugs and foods uh, and so forth, and their authority is limited. Next slide. 
the Health and Human Services actually is the one that has authority to implement um, a wide public po health policies, but only with the approval of the Senate or the, yeah. And so, so not the executive branch. Executive branch can't do this. So you had overreaching everywhere against the law all the time, all day. And, and it affected us and our kids and our lives. And so now we're at a point where they want to inject five-year-olds. Like, don't let them do that. Don't, because now, you're, you know, your kid's going to have a decreased immune system and will probably become sterilized at some point. And for all the OBGYNs, I'm not knocking OBGYNs, I love them. But I will say this is um, we don't know what effect it's going to have on our young folks. So for me, if I don't know, am I just going to tell you as a surgeon, well, why don't you just have this brain surgery? And you ask me, what are the complications? Could you die? And I go, well, I don't know. Like, how does that sound? Would you have surgery by me if I said, well, I don't know? I would hope not. But yet, that's what we've been doing. Well, I don't know. So critical thinking is so important. Next slide. So, um, and there's just some specifics regarding the rulemaking process. Um, and as I mentioned, the executive branch uh, and judicial branches uh, don't have um, that specific authority. Um, next slide. So there are some legal challenges with COVID-19 um, and, and it's been an interesting haul. You know, all of you know about when Pfizer came, you know, that we were able to get some of the information from Pfizer, but you realize it took a lawsuit by Peter McCullough and others and Mr. Siri to actually get any data. And then they said, well, we'll give it to you in 77 years or 75 years. Did anybody question that? Like, if this could kill you, which it did, a lot of people, it hurt a lot of people, how come no one's enraged? Like, there's no way I'm going to take this if you're not going to tell me what's in it for 77 years. So, and then they, they were able to decrease it. But, but, I mean, that's exactly what happened. We actually had to sue to get information from them. So, next slide. So... In terms of randomized controlled trials, looking at the efficacy of facial coverings, it's, it's really been interesting. There are some studies in Germany and other places that show that they're not uh, beneficial. And the, the studies that are referred to in terms of them being beneficial are mostly anecdotal. They have to be. They have to be. They're aerosolized particles. You know, it's about airflow dynamics. It has nothing to do with a mask actually being a barrier at all, right? Um, so next slide. So, you know, again, a lot of what was done, especially with masks, and all you heard critical thinking, even Fauci and others initially said masks are ineffective, then they said wear a mask, then maybe two masks. And what, right? Well, what was that? That's free-floating anxiety. Let's change the rules. You need to six, six feet apart because then you'll kill your neighbor if they catch COVID. Like, 
Oh, so, and then the N95s. You know, one of the things with the N95s, so those are the they're masks that are close to respirators. You know, there are a lot of people who have heart conditions and other conditions who have breathing problems, who had heart attacks because they were in those. So they're not benign, right? Next slide. So I talked to you about that, um, that little table in terms of controlling aerosolized particles. It's been around and settled. That information has been settled. So in the future, the answer is dilution and destruction, right? So that's the HEPA filter and, um, and HVAC systems. Next slide. So it's kind of interesting. So it's important to know your authority, right? And, and truth keeps your peace. So in the beginning, we talked about if you, if you try to look for comfort and you think you're going to find truth, sorry, um, that you won't find either one. But if you seek truth, then you can find truth and comfort, right? And that's only found in the Word of God, right? Only, only in Him. And, and so one of the things that uh, I was, was looking at and found out that actually, did you know that during slavery, they put people in masks, right? Because it took away your identity, right? And so I think that's what happened. COVID kids who've been in masks, they are less social for most part, and they're more fearful, right? We have something called the social smile in, in, in neurodevelopment, and that's how we look and see if people are, are developing, the kids are developing appropriately. Um, and so how do you develop social smile when you can't see anyone smile? You can't. So The Defender is uh, a great paper. Um, the uh, Health Defense Fund has been doing a lot of wonderful things, and it talks about some of the double standards that have occurred throughout this time, so it's something really important to, to take a look at. I think you, you'll really appreciate reading it. And uh, next slide. So with that, from our standpoint, What's God's prescription? Right? Psalms 27, 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. You know, when he, when he talks about that he inhabits the praises of his people, again, he's a loving God and he cares about you. So when he's with you and in you, and his presence is in you, what happens? You, you have shalom, which is nothing missing or broken. You have wholeness. You have health in all three parts of who you are, right? And that's what we're after. So for comfort, we want truth. We want, we want God. And when we search him diligently, we'll find that truth, and we'll find also health. But when we search for comfort only, devoid of the Lord, then we won't, we won't ultimately find that, right? Uh, next slide. I think that should be it. Um, so one of the things that we're doing is we are creating a network of clinicians and physicians and healthcare providers 
around the country. So one of the other companies that we have, which is a, a private membership association, it's a 508C1A, so it's outside the public domain, is we're working with clinicians and physicians from around the country to develop um, a, a parallel healthcare system. One of the things the Lord put on my heart some years ago was to develop a, uh, a platform, a virtual platform, that can house hundreds of thousands of people. And so we've done that. And so now we're having meetings and educating physicians and clinicians about how do you transition into a different healthcare system that will serve the people and serve God. So, thank you, thank you. So, so we're really excited. So we'd ask that you please pray for us because it's quite a big undertaking and it's gonna be dangerous because there are a lot of people that are gonna be threatened when you're coming, you know, when, when they lose money, money goes other places. And we already know that that's the motivation behind a lot of this. Do you know, though, that um, conflict of interest is something that we as physicians and scientists learn about? And whenever I present to a scientific audience about with data, I have to give you my disclosures. I have to tell you whether I have some conflict, like I have stock in a company or what have you. So that way, when you critically listen to me, you'll say, ah, uh, this guy, you know, it's, what he's saying sounds good, but money is coming from this company, so he's obviously trying to sell something. Do you know that the CDC and the FDA are, and, and Big Pharma are completely connected? Do you know that most of our research, it's millions of dollars worth, and so 84% of research um, in pharma uh, well, it's sponsored by pharma, and it helps to, to support the research. But the problem is, is that how do you separate a bias? How do you tell the people that are funding your job that, oh, this uh, information that's contra contrary-wise to what you want it to be is, in fact, what it is, because you lose your job. That's ha that happened, actually, at Henry Ford, for those of you who may not know. When the hydrochloroquine came out, they were one of the first ones to look at the studies on hydrochloroquine for COVID. And a good friend of mine that's helping me with this platform, David Vela, who's a, a family doc working at Henry Ford, he was friends with the lead investigator of the hydrochloroquine study. They knew that hydrochloroquine helped a whole lot of people based on their data. They were told not to publish it. So you're going to have thousands upon thousands of people die that could have been saved because you wouldn't publish your data? Why, why would you not do that? Right? So, what, so the answer is, all of you here, you have the Lord in you. And you have influence in your spheres. In high school, in college, at your workplace, in the store, at home. And so when you carry the love of Christ with you and the truth with you, it will make a difference, especially when you have faith and you have the works that follow your faith in small areas, in small ways, as the Holy Spirit leads you. So I would encourage you um, to, to do that. You know, listen to the Holy Spirit when you have to make certain decisions. Listen to the Holy Spirit when you can encourage other people because what's going to happen is this is not going to go away, right? 
but you have this amazing family here. You have the Word of God. You have these amazing pastors and teachers of the Word that will help guide you through this, okay? So I also want to encourage you and, um, and to say that um, I'm encouraged moving forward um, because of what the Holy Spirit has shown me and what he's shown me to do in my area of influence, just like he's going to show all of you what to do. So I want you to be encouraged. Also want you to laugh. <laughs> Super important, right? Ten belly laughs a day. And I challenge you. I challenge you. You might say, oh, that's weak, whatever. But I challenge you, try to do it. Can you, can you do it? Right? So try that at night and in the morning. And make it on purpose. And see how it'll change your perspective about everything. And the things that bother you won't bother you so much anymore. And especially now, when we have attitudes about things because we don't get our way, it's like, but you're still here. There are a whole lot of people that died that didn't have to die already. And so uh, being appreciative is super important too. And having that peace, like in Colossians, the Lord talks about that. Be appreciative ha and live and walk in his peace. Okay? So, um, so with that, uh, questions? Anyone? Or Pastor, any questions that uh, I can answer? Yes, ma'am. She, she has a question here. Okay. Whoops, whoops. Thank you. Can I actually um, give you my primary care provider's information or get that information up there to give to her? Because she is one that is not like the one you described and has a heart for God and would be awesome. super interested in this. Awesome. So, yeah, that'd be great. So, and I apologize, it's in blue. Um, but yeah, if you go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, in white down there, info at Great Lakes hyphen echo, echo.com. If you give her that information, we'll connect her to our network. Thanks. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, sir. And then. You know how many years my wife's been trying to get me to a brain surgeon? <laughs> her favorite line is, you ain't right, Rich. Okay, I, laughter is great. <laughs> it's I got good. a testimony. <laughs> And I got a, a, in a um, question for you. Yes, sir. The first one is, I know you don't take bribes after the, tonight because earlier today I raised my hand every time and you never picked at me, but you looked right at me. Did I? I no, I probably gave didn't you a see bribe it. or something. You know, you wouldn't. Have. So I had uh, um, um, some doctors. I had a diagnosis a few years back. I yep. had a 106.5 fever. Yeah. Ended up in the Mayo Clinic. Had, Wonderful bedside um, manners from doctors that go, you know, if you were 107 or higher, your brain would start to poach. Geez, thanks, doc. I'll try a little harder, you know. It's like, what are you telling me? And so they handed me a bunch of medicine. They finally figured out infectious disease doctor went away. All this stuff. And um, they said, well, we're going to give you all this medicine. And it's either going to kill you or you're gonna, it's going to work. Okay. Well, I'll do it because 106 fever is no fun. Yeah. And it worked. And so they have an autoimmune condition, hyperimmune condition. And I took this medicine. I go, how long am I going to live by taking this pile of chemo stuff and all these steroids and antibiotics yeah. and all this stuff? They said, well, you should get 20 years. Well, I plan on living past 50. And they, 
Well, that was over 30 years ago. Amen. I outlived all the doctors that told me I wasn't going to live very long. And it's laughter yeah. and the testimony, the testimony, laughter in God, faith in the spirit. Yeah. And um, I just want to thank you because I've been through so many doctors yeah. and so many things to have someone in your profession, your abilities, your knowledge, your education, and have that heart and understanding for God with your science, as you said in the beginning. Thank you. I wish there were more doctors like that. You're welcome. Thank and you. I will give this to my uh, rheumatologist. Great. As I went in there, he, when this COVID stuff started, and he said, Rich, you take so many immunosuppressive drugs. Um, you know, you should think about this. And I go, I'm not putting something else in my body. My body's already toxic enough. Yeah. Holy cow, the illness I got and the medicine. I said, are you going to get it? And he goes, no. <laughs> he said, no, well, you're not going to get the vaccine. Why are you telling me to get it? He goes, because I'm told to. I come back in, and all the staff is gone three months later. All the staff. And, and I look, all new staff. And I went to the doc. Doc, what happened is all your people, the best clinic I've ever been in. And he looked at me, and I said, no. They wouldn't take the vaccine. You had to hire new people. He said, yes. I said, did you do it? He goes, yeah. What? And he goes, I need the job. They was pushed, a doctor, a wonderful, excellent yeah. doctor. Yeah. He gave me a, a script for hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, he says, Hydro here, I said, I'm not going to get it. Here, just in case, because yeah. I know they won't give it to you. Yeah. He gave me that. And then your last uh, service, you said, T cells, killer cells. He said, my wife comes out and goes, Rich, that's your problem. You've, you've made so many jokes, you've produced so many killer cells, it's killing you now. Yeah. And so humor is no. a great thing. Yeah. So it I is. ask you about the, the, the power of the brain in recovering it because I had a seizure not too long ago. Yeah. And uh, had a brain scan. And the doctor's bedside manner comes up and says, I said, well, what do you think, doc? And he goes, well, we didn't find anything. So you don't have a brain? I'm talking to you. How You didn't find anything in my head? In a brain scan? And they got a blank spot in my head. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, tell the woman that was here before about not having smell and taste. I yeah. haven't had smell in a lot of years. Yeah. Due to the head injury, which is where that spot is. And yeah. I believe the brain has its ability to yeah. move around and change. Yeah. And do it can stuff. do. So, so, it, so your question then is about the smell piece or the brain? The brain mm -hmm. and brain injury. I've yeah. had more head injuries. And yeah, well, you look pretty good, though, for a brain injury well, person. You, you know, I mean, you're moving everything, you know, is, is pretty good. When I was in training, we did a lot of pediatric neurosurgery, and so they called it veterinarian medicine. So you'd have to make a diagnosis based on what you saw first because you couldn't interview a child, right? And you could do a physical exam, you know, and so. So I guess this is, the, the if I could, a couple of recommendations is in terms of in your situation with brain injury, those um, cells uh, in your uh, the sensors in your nose area, the crystal get sheared. And when they get sheared or turn off, that can create a problem with smell. But also with the autoimmune disorder, you can have increased inflammation everywhere. And when your meninges or the parts of the brain, the covering gets inflamed, that can also affect your, uh, your smell. So, you know, for you, and this is, again, I'm not your doc, I don't know all your history, but one of the things I'd say as it relates to this audience is um, that laughter and the time with the Lord will really help change your personality.
If you are an aggressive person and you always have to be right, I'm not saying you are, but if you have to be right, what happens? You're following comfort. Because there's only one person or one, you know, that's always right, and that's God. So what's interesting, if you want to test yourself in that area in humility and you can bow your knee to God, then you, you'll give up being right. And what happens is your expectations will change because then the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, this is what you need to do. And you'll have humility to listen to him and then he'll give you the answer that you specifically need. And so that's what I would recommend, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. She's... Oh, she's... How soon do you think... How do we find the list of who's on the network? And how soon do you think till it's more mainstream? Yes, ma'am. So I think it's probably going to take two years. Um, but if you info at greatlakes-echo.com is where we're signing up healthcare workers now and, and, and then training them. And what we have to do is catalog all of the efforts around the country. So we've talked to groups in California, we've talked to groups in other states, in, in our state of Michigan, and there are so many people doing wonderful things because they know that the old healthcare system is ending. They know that people want good healthcare and there has to be changes. But the, one of the problems though is, is that they're not working together. So that's what our goal is to make sure that we can keep catalog and make sure that we educate each other so that we can work together across the entire country. So again, we need your prayers on that. Okay, so I'm thinking about two years. So right now we're getting together and once we have our act together, then we can serve everyone else. Yes, ma'am. Other questions? Yes, sir. Well, you know, so, so <laughs> that's true, but a, a concussion can be pretty depressing in and of itself, right? It hurts. <laughs> so concussions are real. Um, and it depends on what type of force your brain encounters. You can have rotational forces, and literally your white matter and gray matter, the different parts of your brain, have different weight. And so there can be shear injury that can occur with concussions. Um, and so concussions come in gradients, and so, but if someone gets knocked out um, during a sports event, then they're going to be excluded for at least the entire year. So that's super important. All those things you, that you do will help you recover, ultimately. Um, Caroline Leaf, that some of you may know, I know some, one of the gentlemen mentioned her. Um, so I met her... Um, at a conference and then got a chance to, to be on her advisory board and uh, spend a lot of time together. And she was an expert or is an expert in that area. And she talks about many people who've had different types of concussions where she used to work in Africa. And she was able to work through some of the concussions with them by allowing them to exercise emotionally and mentally. So 
again, you know, for, for those who might say, boy, this is boring. This guy's a broken record. He keeps talking about, well, didn't, let's get into the word. Let's spend time with the Holy Spirit. Let's spend time with the Lord. Let's laugh out of the joy that we get because now we show ourselves, ourselves, we prove to us that we're approved by God. But really, that really is the answer because when you spend time, as you know, you know, when, when our pastors are speaking, you get all this rhema word, right? You get stuff. They talk about some subject and the Holy Spirit is talking to you about something that's personal to you. It's absolutely amazing how much of that you get as you lean into him. So he'll give you an answer because he has an answer for everything. And, and I'm not saying that as cliche. I mean, I really do mean that. I really mean that, you know. Yes, ma'am. Our youngest started having grand mal seizures mm. in January, and they started her on Keppra, and then they bumped her up to 3,000 milligrams, and then she, because she was still having grand mal's before she got to the higher dose, and then she started having problems, so they switched it to an extended release recently, and so that's been doing good, but if we've also had a lot of neurological with some of our other children, mm. and have weaned off meds and mm. done natural alternatives, and is what, from a, your perspective and your wisdom, is the best way? Um, we were told that how she presented, that they'll reevaluate in two years, but based on her presentation, it's in the natural, which is not what God says. Yeah. They're saying, like, this will be, and we don't want to do that for. Yeah. Um, so we know that that's not the truth. Yeah. That being said, experiencing that, um, like, what is it? Yeah. healthy and, and we her, her doctors are wonderful and they're great but we've also experienced a lot of other MDs that we yeah. we just know the words the final authority and we've a lot of natural medicine is where we've seen our best results so is there a balance what would you recommend I yeah. know like if you are allowed to yeah so I'm not allowed to give actual medical advice mm -hmm. unless I establish her as a patient okay um, do I, I do think that Kepra, I'm sorry. Do you want to be your doctor? Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you taking new patients? Very kind. I, I, I am, but not, well, so if it's pediatric uh, neurology, then, then that's not really my specialty. So I'm, I'm just the plumber. You're a great plumber. I just do the surgery. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, I would say I would follow those basic recommendations until the Holy Spirit tells you otherwise. Okay. Because some people say, if you have surgery or you go to the doctor, you're not in faith. Right. That's just as bad as just the opposite, right? Because everyone's different. So my advice is you go to the Lord. He may tell you, follow the doctor's recommendations in sure, this case. Yeah. Or he might say, no, I think you should go this way. Follow the peace that he'll provide for you is what I'd recommend. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, question? Yes, ma'am. We are working on that. So we have, we have run into about a dozen families in the last couple of months asking for neurologists who are like-minded, that are pediatric neurologists. It's been a challenge. So every single board, every single major membership, the AMA, the you know, Association for um, um, OBGYN, pediatrics, they are all brainwashed. They're done. 
They subscribe to exactly what their boards are telling them, even though it's contrary to everything they know. So we're working on it. So that's the reason why we're you know, getting, working on funding and all those pieces so that we can connect and have a network that would be complete. So that way, if you come to us, we can say, here's a like-minded, spirit-filled doc who can be of help to you. So right now, we don't have neurologist yet, pediatric neurologist. Other question? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Blaylock, Russell Blaylock, B-L-A-Y-L-O-C-K. Blaylock, there's a, an article um, in Surgical Neurology, April 17th, 2022. And he's also a neurosurgeon, and I believe pediatric neurosurgeon, just retired, and, um, and he just did a really good, it's a good summary. So, other, anybody else? Two, so let me, so let me go over here, if you don't mind first, and then, yeah. I was just gonna say something about, um, I had cancer 16 years ago, a cervical cancer, yeah. and walking with the Lord, he said to, I took one chemo, and then I, you know, had been praying and, and talking to my pastor and stuff, and I went off the chemo, because the Lord said it was finished, and I believed him, and it was over. So I never took any more. But then I had, a year ago, I had breast cancer, and went to the Lord, and he said, this time I'll walk with you through it. Yeah. And so it, it does matter what you yeah. ask him, because yeah. for, for different reasons, the to totally different reasons, yeah. helped with the fear that I had. Sure. You know? And yeah, so totally agree. I mean, I, I again, so. yeah, that's awesome. And that's super important. And again, some people that may be new are thinking, oh, okay, faith in God and read the word. Okay, that's all great. But like, what's the real answer? Are you kidding? That is the real answer. It really is. And once you experience a, a personal relationship with the Lord and him guiding you. So for me, and I'm not bragging, but just to give you an, an illustration, and that, the reason why I know that I know that I know that he cares and that he can communicate with us is because that's how he communicates me when I'm operating with me. So when I follow his peace in surgery, patients do well. If, if, if his peace isn't there and I don't sense it, then I have to stop because there's something he sees beyond what I see. And if I ignore that, then something bad's gonna happen. So I can tell you firsthand that for most of my, my well, all of my career, that's, that's how we've communicated in, in, in my field. So I can tell you, he's, he's guiding you. If he can guide me doing brain surgery, then he'll guide all of us in different areas, right? Any other questions? Yes, sir. come across a lot of people who are uh, maybe elderly or aging and going through health difficulties and just helping them find their way to Jesus or whatever. I don't know how to get that conversation going. Yeah. Well, and I would tell you, and I'm, I'm going to defer to pastors because they're going to have a ton more experience than I am um, for sure. I mean, I can tell you what we've done um, is especially when we're led, um, then we'll go up to, to someone and just kind of start a conversation normally. And uh, we'll say, hey, do you, is there anything that you would like to, us to pray for you about? And then we, that usually gets a conversation going for us. 
And we, my wife and I were traveling maybe a couple months ago. We were in the airport, an airport lounge. And we went up to this lady. She was, she was Italian, right? She was from Massachusetts. She was going to visit a friend in Florida or something. And, you know, and got a chance to meet her. And then we just uh, prayed with her, and she accepted, she accepted Christ. So, you know, I mean, why? Because, like, because having God and really knowing him like it changes everything about you. And so don't you want to share that? It's, it really is. It's really something when you can share the good news and, and it changes people's lives. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? I know we're fearful because sometimes, well, they're going to think we're a nut. Well, they might think you're a nut anyway, right? But the thing is, is that like to hold back on an answer that this person has that can change their entire life is, you know, it's, it's like, like, stop and think about it. All of you are carrying an amazing gift with you, and, and you're full of power and light. So why not share that with others who may not know? I mean, you're going to be a help to them. So any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then I... What's the best way we can support building your organization with you, like financially, anything? What's oh, the best way to support you? Very kind. Well, doing? first and foremost, prayer. Okay. That's, and that is not a small thing. I'm a huge fan of corporate prayer, and, and you know, all victories are, are going to be prayer victories first, right? And then secondly, info at greatlakes-echo.com. If you go there, then you'll communicate with my project manager, and then she can kind of help guide and direct you. But, and, and of course, financially it would be great too because we need all the help we can get. Any other questions? Oh, uh, I'm sorry there. Did you, let's see, I want to make sure I didn't, you didn't, no one had a question here besides you. Okay. And before you, sir, I think someone over here had their hand up. No, 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 no. Okay, I just want to make sure I didn't miss. Okay, so then I'll go here then. We have a son that has a cancerous brain tumor, mm. and he's had two operations, and they say that it is entwined so much that they cannot remove the whole tumor. You, this morning, you mentioned the uh, brain, the stem cell and the regeneration of the brain. To what extent, with this portion still being there, will that restrain the stem cell's regeneration into the brain itself? Mm. So, um, so again, I don't know all the specifics in this case. Um, so just un understand a couple of things that in our knowledge base, um, you know in the Old Testament when people had leprosy, right, how they were shunned. And the thought was because they sinned and they were evil and bad people and they were shunned from society, right? And now, now that we've, we've advanced, we know that leprosy can be easily treated. It's just from a bacteria. So we didn't know then, but we know now in terms of the science. So likewise, there are, are some things that we don't know now that God knows scientifically, right? Um, and so I, the reason why I'm, I'm telling you that is because those stem cells are there and they're real. And we know that they work. And all of you know they work. Otherwise, every time that you've broken a bone or had a gash on your arm or wherever, you'd never heal. 
right? So, so they're there and they work in the brain and the rest of the body. The challenge, though, is not only is it based on the one-third of who we are, and that's where medicine is focused. Most of our research is based on our earth suit. It doesn't take into account our soul, our mind and emotion, and, not, and our spiritual side. So most of the information that we have as scientists and physicians is void of two-thirds of the information. So I, I think because of that, that's why oftentimes we'll tell you something and we can only give you information based on the one-third. And in his case, um, I'm sure that there are some very bright people that have taken care of him. And I can tell you that there are surgeries that um, I wouldn't operate on either again or based on the location of, this, of the tumor. If I operate, it's gonna hurt that individual. So then we go to other, other options. I, and you, in terms of the, the natural side of things, and when we say natural, for you scientific minds, don't think quackery. Think the way God intended it to be. Think I'm, you're supporting God's systems that were already in place from two cells old. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I'm not smart enough to create a human. Right. I don't know about any of you, but even in the genome project, you still have to start with stem cells. So I, you know, I'll defer to God since he's the one that created all of us. Um, but I, and I think with uh, the health, that's an important piece too, diet, lifestyle, exercise, supporting God's given immune system, the God-given immune system is extremely important. But also, he has to have the relationship with the Lord in a way that can transform his life also. Like I talked to you all about physiologic change that happens when you believe and you have faith and when you laugh, they're real manifestations. Those mechanisms are there. The question is, what is it gonna to take to tap into those mechanisms and make them work, right? And you can't believe for somebody else. I mean, you have authority within your family and what have you, but that person has to be the one to really believe and show, study to show themselves approved by God, you know, for those mechanisms to really kick in. And so, um, so I believe that they're there. Um, I don't have a specific answer for him. I would say I would follow the advice of the docs, and I would tell you that if I focus on the one-third, I wouldn't operate on someone who I thought that I would hurt. But I would encourage you to look at the other options in terms of alternative therapy um, and diet in particular. I know many people that have gone to different types of diets that help support the immune system and support um, their natural uh, systems have had really good results, along with exercise and water and laughter. Laughter because natural killer cells do what? They kill cancer. It's really fascinating when you look at, and I'm not, and this is not con condemning anybody, but you know, we all go through a lot of stress in our lives and we have other factors. We have chemicals that we're exposed to and, and so forth and so on, but it's really amazing of with laughter, what it can do to unleash this natural killer cell. And it's a really aggressive cell, and it kills cancer. That's one of the major things that it does. You know, another quick thing is, you ever wonder why God used the rib to create Eve? This is just my revelation. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I fell on the floor when the Holy Spirit told me. So I did some research, 
and I'm looking for stem cells. We know that bone marrow is stem cell research. You hear about bone marrow transplants. Those are stem cells, right? That's how you create these organs. That's how you create a new immune system if the immune system isn't working, is you, do, you perform a transplant, stem cell. You know where the richest area of stem cells is in the body? The rib. So God used his own science to create Eve, right? Which makes sense. I mean, you can create a whole organ by stem cells. I mean, a whole person. So again, that's science. But again, God, his word is, is the final truth and authority. And science is one of his languages that he uses to describe what he does in the physical realm. And we're still understanding it. And we'll have a whole eternity to, to talk with him about these things. So, any other questions? No? No? Oh, sorry. Yes. affecting with the COVID vaccine that, that people have had? Hmm. Has there been some interference with that? Interesting. So uh, again, it's multifactorial. Um, so there's, there's stem cell transplants, and then there is activating the stem cells that are in your system. So most of the time that I'm speaking about the stem cells, I'm speaking about something that's very new in science. Now, if you look at psychoneuroimmunology, that science, that scientific field, it starts to go into or approaching those questions with answers. Um, and so I would again say that to activate your stem cells, that you want to hear from the Holy Spirit and really develop a personal relationship with him and be led by him. In terms of COVID-19 in general, um, it really depends on your state of health, your vitamin D levels, um, I am not aware of, well, there, there's, okay, there are monoclonal antibodies that have had really good success. Um, and so if you're speaking about that, that's had good success. Um, I'm not aware of any recent major papers that uh, talk about stem cells specifically in COVID-19, though. Any other questions? Oh, yes, please, if you can. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, it would be. And yes, um, Dr. Fauci and others are co-patent holders. Yes. You know, one of the things that we were also told early on, and again, when, when COVID first hit, I mean, I was like anybody else. Whoa, what is this? You know, let me put my mask on for a second, right? I mean, because I didn't know. Um, but you know that um, with those, there are patents out there for coronavirus and for COVID-19. And one of the things they told us was, this is just mRNA. It's not DNA. So it won't mix with your DNA and literally change your DNA. Now we know that it has reverse transcriptase when you uh, get the vaccine. So now we know it literally 
incorporates into your DNA a specific code or codes. And so it literally changes you into what's called a chimeric. So you are literally a different being. Because now this, when this, uh, when your DNA is changed, you're different than you were before. Now, to what extent, what does that mean? Not sure yet. So does the Holy Spirit have the answer for that? Of course. But um, yeah, lots of patents out there. If you, if you look at the patents, so I have, um, I have 50 patents worldwide in different things. And so it's an interesting process. Um, but if you, if you, I'm sure you can easily go to the patent offices and look at the patents for, um, for COVID. But from my understanding, there were, there were like a thousand different patents out there. That's a, that's a lot. And yes, there's so much conflict of interest. It makes no sense. So to listen to a body because they say, I'm the authority, but they're demonstrating to you that they can't be trusted is absolutely ludicrous to me. So anyone else? Okay, well, let's, can I go here first? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so physiologically. So God, um, obviously, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the five elements of faith that my pastor taught me, and I'm sure your pastors, um, it's, you hear, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, you hear, you receive, you believe, you speak, and then you act. So who are you going to believe more than like anybody else? Probably yourself. So if you're speaking the word all the time, right, God says meditate, and uh, the word for that would be to mutter. You're chewing on it all the time. Um, you're hearing yourself. So it's going to affect your frontal lobe and your perception of your reality because now you're looking through God's lens, you know, and then that's going to change your chemicals in your brain and your, your hypothalamus will affect all 50 trillion cells of your body, good or bad, right? So if you're speaking the word of God, it's going to have a positive effect on your hormones and the rest of your body and all the mechanisms that God has in your body that heals, will function the way that God wanted it to. You know, I think, it, you know, one of the, I mean, I have a bunch of questions for the Lord, but one of those is going to be, wow, why do we have, you know, this science is fine. I know that's his language, but like some of this stuff, it's, it's, it's really, really easy, right? Because the Lord says, take my yoke and burden. It's like they're light and easy. Like he did all the work, like 99% of it. All we have to do is that 1% to co-partner with him. And I think a lot of things like healing. I mean, miracles that happen all the time. I mean, Jesus said, according to your faith, you're healed. Like, and so me in my scientific year, and not taking anything from God at all, but I, I believe that that gentleman could have just activated by faith what was already in him that God put in him to, you know, because of his premeditated love, for instance. Right? So, um, so anyway, that's what any other? Sure. By the way, your brain is only a processor. So there's an argument that we had, uh, not an argument, but discussions in my neurosurgery groups years ago and these very intellectual arguments, where is the soul and all this, you know. And, uh, you know, and um, think of your brain as just a processor. It processes through your five senses all of the 
stimuli, all the things that you encounter on this earth. And it processes, and you have memory, the memory loops. And then, obviously, at some point, um, those memories go to your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind performs 400 billion actions per second. It's vast, way more vast than your physical being. And then, obviously, we know that you have memory based on scripture and the accounts of what happens after you leave your body. So your memory goes with you, your soul, mind, will, and emotion, and your soul. So, Any other questions? We're good? Oh, question, sorry. One more. Yeah. Yeah, and so and you're so when you when you speak about the mark of the beast in outer darkness, you're are you asking me my opinion on the vaccine and what happens to people if they keep taking it or what what's your specific? Yes, it changes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and one of and I'll make it. Can I make it practical? So this is not a judgment call. Please, in your mind, don't think I'm trying to judge someone. I am not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. Okay, now that that disclosure is there, when I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I, my faith without my works is dead. So when I spend time with him and I take him really seriously, like, oh, wait a minute, I found this. this okay, let me, Holy Spirit, what do you say? What, what, okay, which scripture do I need to go to about this, right? And then I listen, pray in my heavenly language, and then he gives me an answer, right? And then, can I love God and not do that? Right? I can, I can love God and not go through these steps, Right? Okay, so I love him, but, you know, my faith without works isn't going to get me to the place where he wants me to be, right? If he says, go to the river, and this is where I supply your food, and I love him, but I don't do that, I'm not going to get what he wants me to have, right? Even though I love him. But then he said, those who love me they're going to keep my commandments. They're going to follow me, and there's going to be some action behind their faith. Again, this isn't critical, right, but super important right now. So when pa your pastors are speaking, and you're getting all this revelation, and you're pulling on them, right? You're pulling everything you can out of them every, you know, three times a Sunday and throughout the week. You're going to develop revelation, but now you have to act on it. Right? Sometimes we take God, we don't take him seriously. It's like no-fault religion. We blame God, right? 
Like, none of us should ever do that. Like, God is perfect. Like, who are we to, to question him? Again, I've never made a person. Now, maybe if you have, you could speak to that or whoever. I've not done that. So, for me, if, if there's a mistake, I'm not going to get angry at God. Why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to my loved one? I prayed, I fasted, and it still happened. Really? He gave his best for you. He proved himself already. You didn't listen, or they didn't listen. Mm -hmm. Or the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we have the Holy Spirit that guides us through those minefields when we listen and we act on what he says, which means we have to spend time with him and take him seriously. So I would just say that in terms of the chimeric piece, that's just a, a scientific term of a process that's occurred. And again, the Lord can do amazing things regardless of how many times somebody gets the, the shot. But I would imagine that the Lord wouldn't want your temple injured. He wouldn't want you to have stroke and bleeding. Do you know there's one of the groups we're working with is the Freedom Fighters of America. I was talking with Josh Yoder, who's ahead of that, and some pilots had to get the vaccine again because, you know, and this one pilot got the vaccine, and he flew, and when he landed the plane in Dallas, about four minutes after, he had a heart attack and would have died. A nurse was there, resuscitated him, and he just, he had the vaccine like uh, within a week of this event. He was completely healthy otherwise. The Lord, I can tell you, the Lord would not try to teach me a lesson by hurting me. Right. I can tell you that. So, even if it was the devil trying to kill, steal, or destroy, God is bringing life and life more abundantly. So if I'm listening to him and I act on what he tells me and take him seriously, he'll guide me through the decisions I make. But sometimes, maybe my job is more important than God. So, and the mandate says, I got to get the shot. So then I either choose God or I choose the job. It is what it is. I didn't write the Bible, but it is what it is. So either you're acting on the word or you're not. So, so, good. Anything else, Pastor? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Agent. Appreciate it.